Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. I am Sandy Johnston, the host of this podcast, and I'm a transformation coach, consultant, and energetic healer, helping women to heal, recover, rebuild, and become abundant in their lives. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to mention a couple of features which are included in this podcast to help you get the best possible value out of it. Firstly, you can find links to help you connect with me and my guests in the episode notes. It's as easy as clicking on the link to help you get connected. And the other thing is that I record the top takeaways from each show to help you focus on some of the most helpful tips and information, which will help you hopefully with your challenges and help you on your healing journey too. You can find these tips at the end of the episode and in the episode notes. Okay, let's get into the show. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. On today's show, I have Denise Bossart to talk about her newly released book, Thriving After Sexual Abuse. It is an empathetic self-development book with a blueprint for survivors to heal themselves. Denise is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. She draws on her experience with a path to recovery to provide tips and suggestions for readers to seek help, self-reflect and pursue healing through a range of activities and practices. She offers readers strategies to reclaim their lives and move forward to a life of thriving. Without further ado, let me now introduce my special guest for this week, Denise Bossart. Hello, Denise. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm very grateful to you for being a guest on this podcast. There are many different forms of abuse, as you know, and abuse can take place in people's lives at any age. Now, some people never heal from the experiences and the effects of abuse to their lives and the lives of those that are close to them. You know, it can be absolutely devastating. Um, now, this could have been true for you, but you have found ways to heal your life and you now want to share this with other survivors, which is absolutely brilliant. Would you like to share a bit about your experience and your journey to healing? Absolutely. So it was my mother's father, my maternal grandfather, who was my abuser. And it started when I was in elementary school. I'm not exactly sure when it started. I'm one of those people, PTSD and, and problems with not only forming memories, but accessing memories. But I know that I was very small when it started. And I know for sure that it ended when he died in, when I was a freshman in high school, ironically of prostate cancer. So there is karma in the world to 
do that for me, but I had really kind of repressed the memories. I knew that I was terrified of him, that I felt icky and gross and, and bad when I was near him, that I knew, and I knew it wasn't natural. I knew that wasn't a natural feeling. You should want to run up to your grandfather and give him hugs and kisses and feel safe. And I just didn't feel safe with him. In fact, I think my brain tried to protect me by not letting me really understand fully what was happening and to um, not really have those memories. And I would dissociate. Looking back, I can see that my way of dealing with it was not to remember and to dissociate when any of the abuse was happening. So once he died, all of a sudden, I think that my mind decided it was safe and I started to remember. And it was, it was devastating. It was devastating. And I really struggled. And what got me through my teen years was a focus on school. I really just put everything into scholastics. I was a smart kid, enjoyed learning. So I really put everything into my schoolwork. And then in high school, I did that and band in women's basketball. So I was constantly busy. I never let myself stop because I was just afraid of what would happen. And then when I got to college, um, I just, again, there was nothing but study. <laughs> that, that was it. And that kept me sane because I didn't have time to reflect or remember the past. And once I got to grad school, I met a, a friend who was in Alcoholics Anonymous, and he suggested that I try to find a group that would be similar. And then there's groups in the States called Survivors of Incest Anonymous. I think they actually are worldwide. And that's where I started to meet other people who had gone through what I had gone through. There were people of all ages, men and women. And one man in particular struck me because he was the age of my grandfather when I was being abused, and he had been abused by his mother. Mm -hmm. And to, that was shocking because mm -hmm. my grandfather was this really intellectually uh, cunning kind of man and very powerful and manipulative. And here was this sweet grandfatherly person that was so, suffering so. And I also started going to individual therapy at that time um, to learn how to deal with what was happening to me and how, how I could maybe find some ways to heal and got in a women's group for survivors and through all these different things that got me started on my journey. And when my husband and I uh, were living in Florida, I started walking the beaches and really started getting into nature and having that healing experience with the sun and the wind and the ocean. And I started doing yoga. Ironically, we were trying to have a family and I read that if you are pregnant, doing yoga is really great when you're pregnant. So I thought, let me start before we get pregnant to do yoga. And what happened was all of a sudden, more stuff just kept pouring out. And all the me body memories I had that I had not been able to access because I've been dissociative, I treated my body as machine that was to serve me and nothing else, kind of hated my body. Doing the yoga opened that up. And then I just started writing all kinds of poetry about the abuse and eventually wrote about sort of the healing process, but it was hard because there were certain poses that were terrifying to be in. And I actually talked to my teacher. He was a, a male teacher, very wonderful, sweet person. And I told him about the abuse. His sister had been abused. So he understood that I couldn't be adjusted like everybody else. I couldn't do certain poses and he would know that. So he wouldn't call attention to me in the class and I could feel safe to move at my own speed. And so I slowly kind of got through that um, fear of being in certain poses and it just opened things up for me. 
And at that time I was writing so much, my husband's like, you should share this with people. You should share your story. And I was like, well, I have a few poems. I don't have enough memories to write a memoir. Oh, what can I do with this? No one's gonna wanna see this. And so years and years went by and he kept saying, honey, you need to share your story. You know, I'm like, eh. And then I learned about the Olympic gymnast doctor who had abused all the gymnasts, Dr. Larry Nessar. And hearing that story just cracked something open in my heart to say, I could do something to help women like that. I don't have to write a story that's about my abuse. I can share all these different things I've learned over the years and give that to women and men survivors and say, hey, this is not a 30 day program. It's not a seven step program. This is a story of my story to share with you that yes, I've been there. I know what it's like. And here's what I did. Here's how it helped me. And the book structured in such a way that I kind of walk you through all the different things that I did. And it's supposed to be engaging. I ask people to get a journal. And when they get to the end of each part, each chapter, I ask them questions. So I help them figure out how to find a therapist, what questions you should ask, um, I, how to find groups how to find yoga or the body work, all these different things. So this is the blueprint, the guide that I didn't have when I was going through my recovery. And boy, it would have jump-started things a lot more for me if I had something. I didn't have a mentor to talk to, to learn from. I read a lot of self-help books, but this would have been the book I would have wished I could have had that could have been a mentor that could have guided me through, could have helped me journal and figure out you know, what was going to work for me because that's what I want people to see. Here's some options, but explore them, try them out, find out what works for you because it's your healing journey. It's your individual way of, of coming out of that darkness into the light. And no one can tell you exactly what you need to do or how fast it's gonna take. It's your timeline, it's your healing, but at least I can give you some ideas to inspire you, to encourage you. And in the end, I had to put those poems I wrote when I first got through that yoga experience, because it was a series of poems that lead you from the darkness and the, the scariness of the abuse all the way through the point in time that I'm now in, in a wonderful marriage and things are going really well. So it's um, a way to bring back what I, where I started from to add it to the story of how you might be able to heal yourself. That's absolutely wonderful. I'm just, you know, blown away by... Uh, what you've shared and the I think it's a fantastic resource to be able to provide um, other victims and survivors with a how-to book basically you know with um, what to do at different different stages because it is like uh, walking around in a blacked out room and you know you're very unsure of the steps that you need to take you're very unsure of what direction to go you don't know if you turn this way or that way if you're going to hit a, a wall you know and um to have a, a resource like that available i loved some of the things that you were talking about and i'd love to hear more about the the content of the book because I think that that is um, really important for listeners to be able to understand 
you know, what sort of things they'll find in the book to help them to um, get onto a recovery path. And this is really, you know, my desire for the listeners too, is to be able to find a recovery path and get out of that, you know, dark space that they're in where they can't see which way to turn and they don't know what to do um, to bring some light back into their life. Because when you're in that place, it's it seems fairly hopeless and you feel very helpless. And um, and just that starting point of, you know, where, where do you start? And I always encourage people, I'm really glad that you touched on, you know, some of those things like getting counselling support and getting into appropriate groups where you can have a group of people who have been through similar experiences to your own and you are then able to share what you've gone through and you know that you'll be understood in that group and Mm -hmm. there'll be different people within that group who are at different stages and yeah there will be people in that group who will be a few steps ahead of you and when you hear them speak you'll be able to identify with what might be possible for you you know in in you know the months to come if you continue on your recovery path and just it's so important because if you don't get onto a recovery path it can devastate the rest of your life yeah it can just control the rest of your life for yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely so that that was kind of my idea is this book can serve people who are just starting their path as well as people who are on their path and want to explore other things so uh, the very first part of the book I talk about um, individual therapy and how do you go about finding a therapist Um, you want to try to find someone who has experience with trauma uh, not necessarily sexual abuse but definitely trauma And before COVID and all the uh, use of Zoom, that might have been a little harder for certain people in certain parts of of the world or parts of the country that they may not have someone with that skill set. But now that we have to be able to do telehealth and teletherapy and there's special platforms you could go to, I have a resource appendix in the end of my book to help you understand that. I give links for all of these things. So it's not just a, a resource of ideas. It's a resource of here's where you go, go click here. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah. Cause I know that even telling someone will go Google, you know, that's could be overwhelming. It, I, you know, I wanted to make it as, as concrete as possible that you could grab onto it right away and get something. So individual therapy for those beginning their process, they'd start with that chapter. Group therapy is the next one. It talks about um, survivors of incest anonymous, as well as other potential groups that you might be able to find that are out online or locally. And so people starting their path would read those two chapters and continue on. People who have maybe already started therapy could jump into the next chapters. And I, I talk about medication. Now, I personally did not go with medication because of just seeing some of my family members who were struggling with depression and all the challenges I had with getting the right medication, I just made that choice. But I thought the reader should consider it for themselves because 
I personally don't believe medication is a solution, but it can be invaluable mm -hmm. during your healing process to let you get to a place where you can start healing. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to offer that as a consideration and an understanding that it would involve a psychiatrist, not just you know a mental health professional of other types. And then I talk about these self-help books I mentioned before. I have a whole series of self-help books, The Courage to Heal, uh, the dance of anger, all these things I collected over time that I've kind of made into a healing library is what mm -hmm. I like to call it. And so I give uh, the different books and why I read them. You know, Beverly Engel has a wonderful book on shame. She's a therapist and survivor who actually is, has written the forward to my, my book. Uh, thank you, Beverly, so much. <laughs> um, but, but I list the books. I say why I like them and make sure that people understand what value they could bring. Um, and then I kind of shift into a, a new section of the book. And then this section is sort of the alternative ways of doing things. And the first thing I ask people to do is journal about what brings you joy. Start off thinking about things that you really enjoy doing that lighten your life and that you can lose yourself in in a positive way, get into the flow, get into that, that experience. So think about what that is, kind of set the tone for what we're going to explore and then I talk about, you know, physical exercise. That's always been a big part of what I've enjoyed and it can be anything. You know, I suggest a long list of possibilities from skating to, you know, playing sports to walking, you know, whatever works for you and in, in your situation. Of course, yoga, you talked about that and, and other body work, uh, Qigong, et cetera. And then meditation has been a big piece for me. So the yoga was about my body and opening up and accepting and eventually loving my body as it was mm -hmm. and keeping it healthy by continuing in yoga practice, meditation helped with working with my mind. So I, I studied a Tibetan Buddhist type of meditation that really focuses on compassionate meditation mm -hmm. and working with your breath. And that helped me to realize that I was spending a lot of time in two places in the mm -hmm. past and in the future, in the past, yeah. reliving, rehashing, and all of the stuff about the past, and in the future, a lot of anxiety and fear, wondering how I was going to manage my future, because I felt my control had been taken away from me, and mm -hmm. I didn't feel empowered to be in control of my life, despite all the evidence up to that point in time that I was successful in doing what I was doing with school and things, still at your core, you were taught you have no control, you're worthless, you should be ashamed of yourself, you're dirty, you're unlovable, all these messages that when I started looking at them, air quotes, looking at them in meditation, I realized a lot of that was my grandfather's voice speaking to me. And I could peel that away and say, no, that's not me. That's not what I'm going to listen to. And so I used both of those kind of in combination. And what's fantastic is that things have evolved. And now we have trauma-informed yoga and trauma-informed meditation that gets you even more direct help for trauma survivors. So yeah. that's something to consider. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned walking on the beach, being in nature is critical for me. Mm -hmm. I can feel it in my mind, body, soul when I have not been outside enough. And I love to you know, go for walks and it just, it doesn't matter where it is as long as I can get somewhere. Um, and then I'm a writer, I'm an artist and those expressive arts helped me get back in touch with my creativity. I was a very creative child and that was just squished by my grandfather's actions. And in being creative, it actually let me kind of access that inner child and let them play. 
and be a child and be expressive and have no boundaries about that creativity. And so that was very healing and continues to be a practice I use because I enjoy it. Um, and then I talk about pampering yourself, whether it's if you have the financial ability to go to a spa or what can you do at home? Can you light some candles? Can you take a wonderful bubble bath? What can you do to pamper yourself? Because we had been taught to not love ourselves, that we were unlovable, that we didn't deserve to be treated well and that we deserve to be treated poorly like we were. So this is unraveling that message, unraveling that body DNA that we took in almost about that message and saying, I'm worth it. Even if it's something small, I'm gonna treat myself and be kind to myself, be compassionate and self-care. Self-care is so critical for us as survivors to learn and pampering is a great way to do that. And then finally, in this middle section, I talk about giving, giving to others, being of service to others, whether it's, I can donate some money, I can donate some time, I can help at my church, I can help at my school, um, whatever it is, giving to other people opens you up and changes your perspective on the world from a place of where you were taught people take things from you and now you're turning around and saying no this is a I want to define my world as a place where I we give to each other mm. we support each other and you know you pick whatever works for you you know I have certain charities I donate to that are for animals and you know that sort of thing that works for me but it's a way to give back in a way to say, I've been lucky to move to a point where I can do this. And, you know, I do, I give my time as well when I can. Um, but there's something, it's sort of, when you, you hear about how much gratitude practices help, this is sort of an extension of a gratitude practice yeah. where you put your gratitude into action. Um, so that's kind of all of the different suggestions I have for things to explore. And then I move to another section that might be a little tougher for readers, but I think is critical. I start asking some hard questions of myself and I ask the reader to consider some things. So I ask um, who knew what when? And I talk about my thoughts on my parents, my mother in particular, my grandmother, um, other people in my family that were exposed to this man and abused by him and walking through that. And then I, another piece is who do I tell? In general, you know, who do I tell about my story, um, especially in our interconnected social media in um, over an indulgent uh, world. Now, if you mention something on one social media place that you might share and you think is private, it could go viral. It could be shared by your friends, you know, so thinking about those questions, who do I really want to know? And and I'm perfectly fine if you say I don't want to tell anybody. You know, that, that's perfectly yeah. fine in my viewpoint. That doesn't mean you're not going to be able to heal. It just means that you have thought about it and made that choice for yourself rather than letting it happen. And then I talk about... That's really powerful, I think, making, you know, enabling the person to make the choice and mm -hmm. actually nudging them to make the choice because choosing is not easy when you come from that place of being a victim and um you know the more that we become conscious that we are choosing and then we can identify that when there's a certain thing that we're holding on to that we understand that we're actually choosing 
that thing at the moment and you know then we can start asking ourselves well why would I be choosing that you know particularly if it's something where you know like you're feeling um, irritated about you know just in the way you're going about things in in your day and then you get curious and you say well why am I choosing to act out this irritation you yeah, know what is driving this behavior yeah why? yeah self-reflection I think is really what I'm asking the readers to do yeah it can be hard but it can be so critical because if unless we understand see and identify behaviors or thoughts or things we can never respond to those and help them heal if you're not aware of it how can you possibly actually move through it and beyond it it's self-awareness is so important it's such an important part of the process uh, one thing that you were talking about there's so many things that you were talking about which I really identify with and um, one of the things that you were talking about with going back to um, being a child and allowing that child to come forward in yourself is something that I relate to and I think is really important when um, things have happened to us as children and you know we carry some trauma um, that we are able to bring that child back out in our adulthood when we're healing and allow that child to explore what that child would like again and um, this helps us as adults to become more engaged in being children are very curious and um, that curiosity pushes past fear a lot of the time when you're a child and when we allow that child to come back in our adult experiences then suddenly we things are not as uh, just trying to think of the right word for it but <laughs> we've had a loss of control you know we've had a loss of control and that's really impacted on us and so a lot of the times you know as adults when we're healing you know control will be a real issue for us, we will want to feel in control of our lives, in our situations, in who we're engaging with. There'll be all sorts of things where we'll really feel that control issue coming into the foreground. But what I like about that child coming forward is, you know, I think for me, when I allowed that child to come back into my adult life, that child was the one who allowed me to make mistakes. That child was the one that allowed me to explore and be adventurous. And I, you know, like I was very kind of closed off before I allowed that child to come back and be a part of my adult life again. And I'm so happy that I have allowed that child back and I think it's a really really important part and it's I don't know if I'm doing a particularly good job of explaining why no, no, it's so it important yeah, to you know sense. to allow that child to come back into your adult life but that child should be you know walking with us through yeah. our adult life and I think when we allow that to happen you know we have a much more balanced 
adult Absolutely. experience. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's a, yeah. A, because there's a dissociation from your body, but there's a dissociation from that that personality you were at that young age. And and you know that was one of the things that was so devastating is he took that away from me for a while, yeah. and I thought I it was gone. I thought it was gone and I would never be able to get to it. And, and actually, I, I don't know if it was something a friend suggested to me or if it was something that I read, but they were like, celebrate your inner child, this, this abused child, celebrate them and throw a party, do something for them to like a ritual to say, I'm welcome you, you into my life. That wasn't your fault. We're, I'm going to be here to protect yes. you from now on, but let's, let's share this experience together. So I envision my little self in this, field of beautiful wildflowers and then I brought um, a birthday party to her and we had balloons and cake and we celebrated her just yeah. her being her you know and so that was kind of my ritual to initiate the connection with her and then I haven't really dialogued with her um, much or done beyond that she's sort of kind of integrated but I, I kind of feel she's there and feel safe and so that was um, enough I actually I think for both of us, um, I did some body healing work and I had sort of this vision experience. It was unbelievable, but totem animals showed up in this vision and, and became helpers for me. And I actually, in the vision, transformed into a cougar who was being taught by this man who was, uh, who transformed into an owl. And you know, I was trying to learn how to catch fish with my big paws and it was, it was fun and it was silly. And it, you know, and then I started researching it and understanding, well, what does a cougar mean for me? And what does an owl mean? And there was a wolf and a raven. And so, you know, this may sound kind of woo woo to certain listeners, but you know, it was, it was my experience and I, I embraced it to say, you know, I'm a scientist by training and by nature, I'm creative on one half of my brain and a scientist in the other. But at the same time, I was like, I can't explain it, but it's damn cool. And I'm going to figure out what it means and I'm going to embrace it. So I would welcome them. If I was in a long meditation retreat, I would welcome them. Come show yeah. up, you know, you sit over there, you sit over there and we're just going to hang out together and you're going to be here. And I felt so protected and nurtured by visualizing them being present. I, I never went to the point I felt that they were necessarily really there, but, you know, I could imagine they were there and supporting me. And I think that that the, having their presence together was really helpful, yeah. but they were always kind of separate from me. And then recently I went to a meditation, a Sufi meditation, and they asked, kind of walked you through and they wanted you to work with something with water. And I had this amazing experience where, you know, those big floating square platforms that are out on a lake where you can swim out to and yes. hang out and sunbathe and fish. So that was there. And we were all there together. All of my totem animals were there with me and we're all just in kind of this big pile of, of love on loving on each other and enjoying it and that was the first time that they really came and were touching me and being connected with me physically and when I asked the Sufi meditation leader what that was about he's like oh my gosh that's a really big deal for you <laughs> that they came and that, you know that you're all just so comfortable with each other that you're not seeing them as protecting entities anymore they are just part of your circle now and you know so I was I was blown away by that. And I'm like, that is really cool. And I'll just have to take that as it is and just run with it. But I think that having those kind of experiences and being open to whatever shows up um, for you, even if part of you may not understand what it is or, or, you know, doesn't make sense to you necessarily, but it feels healing and it's safe and nurturing. 
who cares? You know, we spend so much time judging ourselves as survivors that to me, it was a sign of my healing that I would be brave enough to say, this is kind of cool and I'm just going to run with it. Um, So just having an openness, like you said, to be curious, like a child, to be willing to work past the fear with your curiosity. And the thing that I guess really was, it wasn't just taking away that curious child. What it did was it took away my sense that the world was a safe place. Mm. It taught me the world is dangerous and people can hurt you. The people you love and who are supposed to love you can hurt you. So look out, always keep your guard up, be prepared any minute, anticipate the future, be prepared, control as much as you can so that you don't get blindsided and taken advantage of again. And that was sort of just, you know, my worldview was solidified to that. And to be able to connect with your inner child and say, get back to her creativity, but back to her belief that the world can be a good place Mm. was really, really profound. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, I'm just, I'm so, so lost in that conversation with that experience that you had with your spirit animals and, yeah it's it's wonderful I think everybody's recovery journey it's you'll see different things happening at different points along the journey and one thing like I I would think you know please you know tell me do you see yourself as still being on a recovery journey I think that in some ways the healing never ends and I mean you get to a point where you feel really happy and healthy and that things that used to knock you off your feet even the smallest things just come through you know come through in waves and and so you learned that you have the the power to live your life the way you want that you have the power to react to things that come to you or not and let them go so there's a lot of strength that you develop resilience that you develop but I always see myself as a learner and there's always more opportunities where something comes up that I can learn from it. And there's tender spots there in my heart. There's still tender places in my heart and occasionally those get touched. And I'm like, oh, okay. There's a little more healing that can be done there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't consider myself broken or a survivor mm-hmm. anymore. I, you know, As the title of my book, I consider myself a thriver, but I know that there's always gonna be some bit of residue left over and mm-hmm. it's, it might get touched occasionally, but I'm not afraid of that happening because I know I can get through it. If it happens, I can say, oh, okay, the universe has given me a little more chance to heal, a little chance to open like a flower, like a lotus to say, you know, I've risen out of the mud, I've this beautiful lotus, and I'll just keep opening the flower a little more to be more of my true self. I mean, any, even, even people who have not gone through what we've gone through or, or are not survivors, they have the opportunity to continue to grow and become more of their true self through their whole life. So we're not asking people to do something that's different than just the natural human experience. We just have more to kind of get over the, up, up over the hill. And then we can kind of move into that space of the more human existence of learning and being and growing if you give yourself that opportunity yeah and I think giving yourself permission to um, live life more fully 
where I think that, you know, when we're feeling very raw, we, uh, we, we withdraw from life because life seems to be too hard to, you know, engage with. And um, that's a time where we'll perhaps turn to harmful, you know, escapes and things like that because it's too much to cope with. But once we get onto that recovery path, then as you, you'll notice, I think that um, you will be able to engage with life more fully and actually embrace life again as you begin to recover and want to live a, a full life again. So Absolutely. Yeah. It is painful and, and recovery is not just straight ahead. You know, no. it's trucking along, it's two steps yeah. forward, maybe one step back. And I want people to appreciate that because, you know, you may stumble, you may not be, you know, you're, you're not being asked to be the perfect healing journey person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to make yeah. mistakes, you're going to explore and maybe that didn't work, you know, and, and that that experience wasn't for me, but this one is and it's a learning process and you have to give yourself permission to fail, give yourself permission to try something and not succeed, get to have setbacks. If you have a setback, that's not erasing all the work that you did. You know, we talk about the spiral dynamics if you're, you know, in, into thinking of things that way, but healing really is a spiral. Things will come back around, but you're in a different place. You're a different person. You have different resilience and skills and, and yes. abilities to handle the situation. So you're always moving sort of up and forward, even if that same thing kind of comes around again to let you get a little more healing off of that experience but you know it's something that we give ourselves a little bit of a break I think survivors we can be so hard on ourselves and such, mm -hmm. a, such high expectations we set ourselves up for failure I'm either going to be broken or I'm going to be healed mm -hmm. and if I can't do one to the other immediately then what's the point well it's it's a gift you can give yourself to start on the path to keep going find the support that you need find the things that work for you and keep coming back to them you know, I have days where you would never recognize me as a healed person because I'm, you know, stressed from work and all this kind of stuff. And, and I can get a little crazy, but I come out of that and I, I can recognize it's happening and I can be um, responding rather than reacting yes. and be able to be in a place that I can move myself out and say, listen, this is silliness. You don't have to be here. Let, let's, you know, be more in the self-care space and be kind to yourself and be self-compassionate and move through that. But I just want your listeners to know that they certainly can start a healing journey, continue a healing journey, but please be kind and gentle with yourself. Mm. Keep moving forward, but don't get frustrated or give up if there's occasional setbacks or things aren't moving as fast as you would hope. Because, you know, when you plant a seed in the ground, you may keep watering it and it's like, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. This is not successful. You know, the heck with this plant. And then what, what's happening under the ground? It's cracking open. It's getting its roots down. And then it comes up. So you've got to think of your healing journey as you're planting all these seeds. You're going to water them. And then, you know, this beautiful gardens that you're seeing and watering is going to grow. You know, it's going to be available to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It all takes time. And I think that's a really big key of understanding is just understanding that it's a process it takes and all processes take time it doesn't happen overnight and 
Um, and as you said, you know, there will be setbacks, but, you know, take those setbacks as feedback and, mm-hmm. you know, listen, if, if one thing doesn't work, as you said, then try another thing. It's okay. And it's okay to try something a couple of times and see if it didn't work the first time, maybe it's going to work the second time. And a lot of these things which, you know, are on um, that recovery path for you to tap into, whether it be connecting with nature, whether it be meditation, whether it be yoga, whether it be journaling, um, anything that you're engaging in, whether it be counselling, you know, group therapy, the first time you do it won't feel comfortable. It won't feel good. You know, it may feel good. You know, if you're lucky, it'll feel good. But more often than not, these things are quite uncomfortable because they're new to us. And, and we don't embrace new too easily when we're feeling really hurt so just if you keep that in mind and and just understand and remind yourself well maybe the reason why I'm not loving this the first time I try it is because I'm still feeling really hurt and so I've got my doubts about everything right now so I'll just give it another go and see if I and keep yourself open to exploring keep yourself open to you know, saying if it wasn't great the first time, let me try this again because like everything in life, the more you do things, the easier it gets, the more second nature it becomes and you can, you know, engage with it more fully each time you participate in it. But the thing we're trying to encourage you to do is to participate, is to engage and not, just stand back and think about doing these things for yourself and keep perhaps putting them off but to make yourself a priority today to you know give yourself that that value that care and I loved what you were talking about with self-care and how victims and survivors are very very good at um, neglecting their Mm self-care and um, and this is all part of that inner, you know, inner hurt that is going on and somehow it doesn't feel right to be giving yourself that time for that self-care, even though there's, been, there's this, you know, one voice that's really, you know, crying out for self-care and saying, will someone please, you know, like give me a break with somebody, you know, all I, you know, I'd love to go and get a facial, but, you know, you're, tell yourself that you're not worth it somehow you're not worth taking out that time and I like that you also touched upon upon the resources because sometimes you may not have the resources to do the things that you're really craving and you're thinking right self-care what does self-care look like to me well it looks like going and getting you know a beautiful facial in um you know in a, a day spa and that maybe that facial costs like $150. Maybe you don't have $150 right now to spend on a facial. So instead of saying, well, there goes that then, 
look at what you can do by getting yourself like a nice mask from the two dollar shop yes no exactly and some candles some yeah exactly (laughs) set set the scene light some candles just take some time to dedicate to yourself and your care and yeah don't let money or the lack of money be the reason that you don't engage in your self-care because there are many things that you can do from home and it is a matter of putting it on the list of things to do for the day and making that a priority because you can say, yeah, I think I should really, you know, take some time out and give myself a facial and the day goes. And you still haven't taken time out and given yourself a facial, then you're like, oh, oh, who knows, maybe tomorrow, you know. But, you know, it will happen if you put it in your daily plan that it's going to happen. You work out, right, I've got a window of opportunity, you know, tonight, you know, between seven and eight o'clock. I'm going to set aside that time. That time is dedicated to me giving myself this facial spending some time just pampering myself and that's it but put it in your diary make sure that it happens yeah and you know I talk about physical exercise you know I'm not saying you got to go to a gym and pay the money and work out it's like can you go for a walk yeah exactly you know go for a walk outside or can you walk around your house even listening to lovely music yes whatever you can do don't make the barrier so high that that you can't get past it, make it simple. And maybe you can start really small. I'm just going to step outside for five or 10 minutes and just enjoy the air. Mm. And then you might say, oh, you know what? That really felt good. Maybe I'll spend a little more time. You know what? Maybe I, I will go down to that park and take a walk. You know, so yeah. you can build it up. You know, what if, if money is an issue or just your fear of trying something new, say, what's the smallest step I can move in that direction? Can I move in that direction? Even if it's not a big step or a leap, I can find something that'll start me going there and giving positive experiences. And a lot of what I've learned now about trauma and resilience is when you have a positive experience, sit with it, marinate yourself in it, take it in and really give it some time. Cause I am, have trained myself to be, oh, that was great. I'm on to the next thing. And never gifting myself that true experience because I'm afraid it's going to be yanked away. And and so I move on real quick before that can happen. Isn't it funny how, you know, when something bad happens to us, like we just seem to just completely absorb it, you know, and, but then when something good happens to us, we let it just sort of skim off the surface. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was great that you illustrated the reason why that happens because that does tend to happen with me and I have also had to you know grow in my own awareness of this that embrace the good mm-hmm. embrace anything good and that's where you touched on gratitude and that that is also included in your wonderful book at, that is being really powerful we need to really be mindful about the things that we're grateful for because when we do, we become open to more good coming into our life. And, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's really great. Look, I would love to continue this conversation, but we're about out of time now. So before we go, could you please share your link so that listeners can find you and find your book? 
Sure. So you can go to the book website. It's thrivingaftersexualabusebook.com. And you can read all about the book there. And, and I've included the healing library there, as well as uh, information about the book and endorsements that I've gotten from the experts in the field <laughs> to, to talk about my book for people to read that. And then, of course, on Amazon, um, you can just search for my name. I'm going to also have the book available broadly so that you could find it at Barnes and Noble and iTunes. So just search for Denise Bosser to, to find it and appreciate any feedback. I would love to hear back from readers what their experiences are like. Um, you can find my email address on my website or if you wanted to be so kind as to leave a review for the book, I will read them all and I just would love to hear from people because that's really, to me, the reason I wrote this book, the reason I could keep writing it when it got so tough to, to put it down on paper was because I wanted it to be of benefit and to help other survivors. So I would love to hear from people if, um, how it's been helpful to them. Fantastic, fantastic. I think it's a fantastic resource and I can't wait to, to see it. So, um, and for the final question, I, I'll just actually just make mention that I will include all of those links in the episode notes if anybody needs to refer to the episode notes to make that connection with the book or with Denise. Um, and for the final question, because this podcast is the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, what does this title mean to you as a woman? I think it's really kind of an inspiring title because Tiara, whenever you think of that, you think of royalty, glamour, um, beauty and expression. And so I think that we all need to put on our virtual tiaras and just really live that, embody that expression that we're princesses and queens and that we can live that rich, beautiful life that we deserve it and we can have it and we just need to go grab it for ourselves. So go grab your tiara and put it on. Um, tears to me, there's, I think there's tears of grief for what we lost but there's tears of healing to release what we need to release. And then there's tears of joy. So you can have any of those happen as you go on your journey and they're all good healing things. Tears are great healing things. So have those tears, let yourself have those tears, whether it's from grief or healing or, or joy when you're finding that joy and reveling in that joy and then triumph. That's what we all can do. We can triumph over the darkness. We can triumph over what anyone did to you or said to you or try to make you believe when you were a child. We can move beyond that and we can find ourselves and live fully. Fantastic. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I just want to leave um, the show with one quote and it's from... Uh, Nelson Mandela and he says the greatest glory in living is not falling it is in rising every time we fall thank you so much this has been a wonderful conversation thank you Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed this interview with Denise Bossart. Now, before you go, I'll just leave you with the top tips from today's episode. 
Number one, healing from sexual abuse is a journey and understanding this will help you as you go through this process. Number two, there are many options available to help you on your path to healing. It is important that you explore what is out there so that you can find the ones which work best for you. Number three, it is really important to get onto a recovery path. Without one, it can hold you back and keep you stuck at the same level and potentially attract more of the same into your life. Number four, when looking for a therapist, you want to find someone who has experience with trauma. Number five, group therapy is a great thing to do on your healing journey. Number six, self-help books can be really helpful. Denise has included a list of her favorites in her book, Thriving After Sexual Abuse. Number seven, alternative therapies like physical exercise help to care for the physical body and meditation helps with healing the mind. Number eight, trauma-informed meditation and trauma-informed yoga can be highly effective for healing survivors of abuse. Number nine, allowing yourself to be creative and expressive through things like writing, dancing, singing are all very therapeutic. Number 10, self-care is critical for survivors. Number 11, being of service to other people opens you up to have a healthy connection with the world and with other people. Number 12, as challenging as it might be to self-reflect, it is empowering to have a growing awareness of the way you think, feel and act. This combined with a curious outlook can enable you to change for your highest good. Unless we see certain behaviours in ourselves, we cannot respond to these things and change them where needed. Number 13, we spend so much time judging ourselves as survivors, being kind to ourselves as we travel along the path of recovery is so important to help us heal. Number 14, recovery can be painful and perhaps you will make mistakes, but this should not hold you back from seeking a recovery for the things you have been through. Don't give up if there are setbacks. Keep going. Number 15, when you feel ready, give yourself permission to live life more fully. Number 16, make yourself a priority today. Number 17, don't make money or lack of money a limitation to you when experiencing self-care. Number 18, embrace the good. It will open you up to receiving more good. And that's it for today. I wish you well and I send you lots of love. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel but when I turned a corner in my life the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard 
and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow, hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to make these challenges head on, to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. 
You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe, Sandy.